The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. It is 6.32, and it is time to get going once again Tuesday. Welcome, John Scholes here alongside Chris Justice, courtesy Sanfiru to Markin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You have questions about uh, employment rights this show? This is the one. You want to listen to it every night. Uh, I have questions about being uh, terminated, laid off, wrongful dismissal, harassment, changes to your job, human rights issues, or just old-fashioned severance questions. Bring them on. Call now. Lines open for the next while. 416-870-6400. Get the answers you need. Chris can answer them. That's what we do here every night. And to reach out afterwards to uh, to Chris and his team, you know that number, 1-855-821-5900. You can also go to employmentlawyer.ca. Lots of information there about what they do, including TV and radio, of course, live streams, YouTube, Facebook, and so much more. And any time you would like, you can use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's a free anonymous, and the severance pay calculator is in there as well. We will get to, in just a few minutes, probationary periods and termination rights in this fine province of ours, Chris. But first, as always, I want to open up the phone lines, 416-870-6400. Invite you to call in and ask us questions here as we uh, begin the Tuesday night edition, but the uh, the we always start off with pal with the case of the day. What do you got? To, what do you got cooking? Yeah, so this particular situation is one that I find myself in. Fortunately, not too often, but uh, it has to do with someone who was terminated from their position. Actually, the employer had alleged that they had just cause to terminate that person's employment and. I think listeners of the show probably know that uh, there's a big mountain to climb before an employer can establish that there is just cause to terminate someone's employment and essentially give them no severance on their way out. But that's where this gentleman found himself on the end of a just cause dismissal, uh, not having been provided anything. And when I was talking about, you know, fortunately, I haven't had this happen. What this gentleman did was before talking to a lawyer, um, go to the Ministry of Labor and file a complaint with the uh-huh. Ministry of Labor seeking his severance. Well, first of all, challenging the factor, the, the allegation that there was a just cause dismissal and, and therefore seeking the severance that it would be owed under the Employment Standards Act. And um, the Ministry of Labor did get back to him. They did say that um, they agreed with him that there was no just cause to terminate his employment. Um, and this man was given six weeks of severance pay or, or mm. notice pay or termination pay. Um, and he thought, you know what? I've beaten the cause allegation. I've got my severance in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. You know, I've, I've won this case. Yeah. And then uh, in the meantime, while this is all going on, somebody that he knows says, well, why don't you get in touch with a lawyer and maybe get a second opinion and see um, you know, what can be done? And thinking he had been victorious, he came to me, spoke to me about the situation. And I basically told him that it was a big mistake for him to have launched that Ministry of Labor complaint. Um, because as good as it was that they overturned the just cause dismissal, the Ministry of Labor can only assist people in getting their bare minimum rights under the Employment Standards Act and uh, not necessarily their potential maximum rights. And unfortunately for this guy, 
six weeks was his bare minimum, but uh, based on the common law, uh, he could have got upwards of eight to 10 months. Damn. Uh, so it was definitely a big pill for him to swallow, but I think it's also just a really good lesson for employees or individuals out there who have lost their job. They're thinking, you know, what are the next steps? Should I go to the Ministry of Labor? Because I've heard they can help get me some severance. And no, definitely you want to consult with a lawyer. You want to take some steps before you officially file any complaint with the ministry. Because unfortunately, once that happens, uh, you can't really go back and, and then look for more above and beyond those bare minimums. Yeah, I guess everybody figures, oh, that's okay. If I went to the ministry, I'll just take it back and I'll uh, work with Chris. There is a, you have right. a limited amount of time to do that, right? Maybe a few days, possibly, before it's uh, do or die. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can't wait too long. And as you say, once you kind of go through those official channels, even if you have second thoughts, uh, it's very hard, if not impossible, to go back. And now you're kind of stuck with just having that, you know, victory, but not necessarily the one that you thought you um, or maybe you didn't think initially could have, but later on discovered. So uh, just word of caution, like I say, for those out there, um, definitely talk to a lawyer before you start doing anything officially with the Ministry of Labor. Questions, bring them on. We got lots of time. Just getting warmed up. 416 870 is how you do that. Let's move on to our topic, pal, and uh, carry on from there. Probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario. It all sounds confusing, but we'll break it down. Is probation, a lot of people think this, automatic anytime an employer hires a new employee? Oh, you're brand new. Right away, I'm on probation. Right. So just before I get to that, um, just to kind of touch on what it actually means to Mm -hmm. be on probation, it's basically a period of time for the company to assess you and for you to sort of assess the company to find out, you know, whether or not this is a good fit. And uh, that period of time is essentially there to give you an opportunity to decide if you want to work together uh, sort of on an indefinite basis moving forward. Um, But as far as your question, you know, is probation automatic at any time? Uh, that's actually a big misconception. A lot of people think that probation is automatic, that it's sort of implied or accepted in any kind of an employment relationship. But in fact, there is no such thing as automatic probation. It actually has to be created through an official employment agreement of some sort. So if you didn't sign an agreement, something in writing that says there is a particular probationary period or a time of probation in, in your uh, employment relationship, then in the eyes of the law, that period of assessment that, that's meant for a probationary period or that a period of evaluation actually doesn't exist. Um, so I think, again, people really need to understand that probation is not automatic. It has to come from a contract with a clearly defined probationary period clause. It's always something to be learned here. Again, I'll give you an opportunity to call in and talk to Chris now. we got some time. You know, How long can that period be? I mean, can it be extended after the original time is up? I know a lot of employers put uh, new employees or otherwise on three-month mm. probation, right? Yeah. So if if you think of the probationary period as that time to allow a company uh, to assess the fit and potentially let someone go without compensation, then we're only talking for a period of three months. Um, it can only be for three months. And that's normally why a lot of times when you do see probationary period clauses in contracts, it's for three months and not longer than that. Um, because that's uh, once you get past that three month mark, regardless of whether or not there's a contract that says you're on a probationary period, let's say for six months, once you get past that three month mark, automatically your termination rights kick in. 
And you as an employer are going to have to pay that employee severance if you let them go without cause. So I think that's a lot of times why you don't see these longer probationary periods because it doesn't really have any effect beyond the three months. The three months is that magic number where, again, if there is something in a contract and the fit isn't right within that 90-day window, the employer may be able to terminate someone's employment and not have to provide them with severance. So it really is pointless if an employer going for a nine-month probationary period. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, as I say, beyond the three-month mark, if you feel like they're still not a good fit for the company and you want to let them go, you can, but their severance entitlements are going to kick in at that point. So whether the probationary period in the contracts, three months, six months, or nine months, as an employer, you still find yourself in the same situation. So as an employer, what do I do or what do they do if they're not happy with the employee's performance during that three-month term? Right. So again, if you do have an agreement in place with the employee that gives you the right to put that person on probation for that period of time, uh, then it would, as I mentioned earlier, be fine to uh, let them go on a without cause basis. And you could also avoid having to necessarily provide any compensation to them. Um, But without it, if you don't have that right, if you don't have that term in that contract, then again, that's when those termination rights kick in. And it doesn't even matter if someone's been there for three months or three days. If there's not a probationary period clause in your contract, even an employee with three days of work uh, could be entitled to fairly significant severance, let alone just a few months of work. And again, just to reiterate, the probationary period is not automatic across the board. When you get hired with a new job, it's the creature of a contract, correct? You're not automatically on probation. Absolutely. 100% correct. Finally, how about this? Are there situations where an employee should refuse to be on probation? Because, you know, I'm I'm sure you've had jobs when you were younger. I certainly had them where it's like, oh, you're on probation. Yeah, okay, whatever, three months, I got you. You don't really give it a second thought. You're more concerned about the job itself, your hours, your pay, so on and so forth. You don't really give it much much mind, that probationary period. Are there times where you might want to refuse to be on probation? Yeah, I think there very much so are times when you should refuse to be on probation. Um, And I'll kind of break it down maybe into two categories. So the first category would be, let's say uh, you've got a secure position, you've been with a company for a very long time, and you're considering whether or not to leave that company and join another for whatever reason. Um, But that new company that you're looking to join, they have a contract that they want you to sign. And that contract has a probationary period clause in it, let's say for the the three months. Well, you'd have to really question whether or not it's good to leave that secure position you have, because if you do, and you join the new company, and you agree to that probationary period, or that's in your contract, um, and you end up getting let go after, let's say, a week or a month or a couple months within that time frame, then your your termination rights rather are going to be very little to nil. And then you're going to probably rue that mistake of having left that longstanding tenure to then link up with the new employer only to find yourself, you know, without any compensation and now without a job. So I think that's definitely one scenario where you have to give real consideration to, you know, whether or not you want to be put on a probationary period and kind of leave that secure employment. The other scenario I would say would would occur when you are already working for a company and at some point, let's say during your time with the company, they come to you and they say, you know, we want to put you on a probationary period, (laughs) Um, which uh, actually in and of itself could constitute a constructive dismissal. 
companies cannot do this. They can't, you know, midway through someone's tenure with a company say, we're going to put you back on a probationary period. They might be able to put you on a performance improvement plan if they have legitimate concerns about your performance. But to think that a company could, you know, have you sign a contract and, you know, potentially let you go within 90 days of signing that new contract with a probationary period, it's just not going to happen. But you as an employee also don't want to be signing agreements that would say something to that effect. So um, a forced probation mid-tenure, as I say, could even be a constructive dismissal. And if you're an employee who finds yourself in a situation where you're at all in any kind of a scenario like this, or even if you're being put on a performance plan that you may not necessarily agree with, and that's causing a real issue, the employer may have some something to think about there because there might be some termination rights activated just by that action alone. Lots more to cover, some emails, and of course the phone lines are open, so we're still taking your calls, 416-870-6400. John Scholes here along with Chris Justice. Sanfiru Tamark and LLP. I want to reach out to Chris anytime. The most positively reviewed law firm in Canada. Do that as well. 1-855-821-5900. Short break. Coming right back with more Employment Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And welcome back to it. 647 John Scholes here. Chris Justice alongside answering all of your questions. you got time. 416 416- 870-6400. Failing that, you can always email Chris, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Use the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca or uh, call and have a lengthier private conversation, one 821 5900 Before we move on, want to get uh, Martinez here on the uh, on the line. How are you, pal? Hi there. Good. Uh, What's on Martin- your mind? Martina. Martina. Um, okay, I got it written wrong here. I just made you into a man, but that's okay. Martina, how no are you? No problem. I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? So um, I'm thinking of um, suing my employer because of um, COVID uh, restrictions. I was let go in February, and I'm um, wondering if the severance I should be asking for includes the f- uh, six months without pay that I've had. For instance, I've got 12 years um, uh, service. And I've been six months without pay. So what would I be asking for 18 months in compensation? Sorry, just so I'm clear, Martina, um, is your case uh, at all relating to a COVID policy with your employer? Yes, yes. And, I, and, were, and, and sorry, were you placed on an unpaid leave of absence because yes. you weren't complying with their policy? Exactly. And and so you've been on this unpaid leave, and now they've officially confirmed the termination? Yes. Okay. Well, in that case, I would say that you definitely have a number of arguments you could make to uh, actually say that the termination occurred when you were first placed on that unpaid leave. Um, there's a phrase called constructive dismissal in law, which essentially means that the employer has made a significant change to the terms of your employment that you agreed to uh, without your consent. 
And so placing somebody on an unpaid leave of absence without their consent, even if it is perhaps for a breach of a policy, um, could definitely amount to a constructive dismissal. And so it might be actually a very viable thing for you to go back as far as the day you were first placed on leave and look for full compensation from that day forward. And as a 12-year employee, if you are entitled to severance as a result of your situation, um, you definitely could be looking at 12, 14, 16, 18 months of severance. So I think this is a situation where you want to give us a call uh, before taking any next steps, but it may be uh, the case that a lawsuit's necessary in order to get what you're fairly owed and deserving of. So that means that I, I can't really sue for the six months without pay. No, you uh, can, you can, you can. I was saying that you could actually go back to the time that they first stopped paying you and make an argument that that was your effective termination date and not the date that they eventually said uh, they were letting you go. So, so there is a good chance or an ability for you at least to go back and try to recoup that lost pay. Okay. I'll um, give your office a call then. Thank, Thank you, Martina. Appreciate the call. And uh, just in case, that uh, number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is what you're going to use. And uh, there you go. I want to get back into our chat uh, before we move on, Chris. We were mentioning just wrap up probation and the uh, the ins and outs of that situations where uh, an employee should refuse to be on probation. You mentioned, you know, well, mid employment, and uh, you know mm-hmm. that probation comes up. Do you also mean, I guess that would also apply for someone, you said if you're starting a new job, now does that mean that they're induced, they're brought over from a potential employer, induced to leave a solid job, and then this employer says, hey, we want you on this side of the table, but we need you to sign this probationary period. You should also not sign that as well if you're induced to come over, right? Right, right. So the the explanation that I gave didn't technically include inducement, but if, if you are at a secure position, and there is a second company that's reaching out to you and trying to poach you essentially from where you're at uh, presently, um, maybe with incentives or, or promises of a longstanding tenure or a lot more pay. And, you know, your eyes are just lighting up. And on the basis of all of these representations, you rely on all of that. You leave your current employer and you join another one only to find yourself uh, losing your job shortly thereafter then you may actually have a good argument to say that, you know, as you were mentioning, that you were induced to leave a secure form of employment to join another company and that, unfortunately, you relied on all those representations that the new company made to your detriment. And then there are actually situations where uh, the new company may be on the hook to pay you severance as though um, they actually employed you for all the time that you were at the old company for. So. Definitely in cases where inducements present, um, you know, employees do have a little bit more options there, and, and that should always be something that's, that's canvassed and looked into for sure. Want to bounce over an email before we switch topics and get another phone call on the way. This one from Mark says, uh, hey, Chris, I'm being let go from my position in six weeks. My boss mm-hmm. said the notice they gave me is enough, and he doesn't owe me severance. I've worked with the company for 15 years. Is six weeks enough notice after 15 years with the company? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, It is highly, highly unlikely that that is going to be anywhere near what would be considered fair and reasonable for a 15-year employee. I mean, we just got off the phone with Martina, who was a 12-year employee with the potential of getting 16 to 18 months. And if you're with someone for 15 years, I mean, you could get in excess potentially of 20 months of severance. So um, you never want to assume, again, that what you're being offered by your employer is fair and reasonable, even if your employer is telling you that it's in line with the legislation or in line with the law. 
Um, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that there was that that gentleman who um, filed that Ministry of Labor complaint, thinking that yeah. he had got the six weeks uh, that that was his full entitlement, and then only to discover, you know, through me talking with him, that no, actually his his potential was significantly higher. So. The same thing in this case for Mark. Um, it's definitely something that he's going to want to call a lawyer and speak to the lawyer about before uh, signing anything, that's for sure. Want to get uh, Chuck on the air uh, quickly. Hey, Chuck, thanks for uh, taking the time. What's your question? Um, I have uh, been on long-term disability from work, had knee surgery, um, and which is my long-term disability is going fine, but after two years, they want to retrain you. Um, since then, I've had a heart condition, so I don't know what they're personally going to do with my long-term disability is question number one. Question number two was my my employer, I'm still an actually an employee, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to report back to my job. Um, where do I stand as far as being able to get um, my, you know, um, um, benefits, or not benefits, but to severance? as far as that goes. Okay, well, uh, first of all, Chuck, thanks for calling in. I'll, I'll start with your first question. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, a heart condition and what impact, if any, that would have on your long-term disability benefits or, or right. you know, um, anything along those lines. Uh, what I will say is that, of course, uh, one key document to always refer to would be the plan itself, the long-term disability plan. And I think you mentioned after a couple years, usually the definition changes. So... Uh, for the first two years of somebody's long-term disability, it's often the case that um, if they can't perform the job that they were most recently doing, that they would qualify for long-term disability benefits or at least have a potential to do so. But then after two years, usually that's the mark where the disability insurer will say, well, now it's not a matter of whether you can do this particular job. It's a matter of whether you can do any job at all. And so the definition gets a bit more strict. And, and that's a lot of times why people are actually denied long-term disability benefits after the first two years of receiving them. So I would say on that first question, the heart condition, um, it, it could affect your disability benefits, but it could also uh, assist you as well if it's the case that that prevents you from performing any type of work. Um, okay. as, far as, as far as the second question you're talking about is concerned, um, it's an interesting one because there are a lot of scenarios where someone is away from work for so long um, that, you know, at some point the employer isn't necessarily obligated to just keep your position open for forever. Right. And, right. There, and I'm not going to say there's an exact science as to, well, how long should my employer keep my role open for? It does kind of depend in every scenario, but if it's been several years already and your doctors or your treatment providers are saying that, um, there's absolutely no way that you're ever going to go back to working for that company again, or, or that there's just no way of knowing when a return to work date would be, then right. your employer may have the ability to argue that your contract with them or your relationship with them has been frustrated as a result of your disability. Now, that would still mean that you're normally owed severance. So it'll definitely be something you want to give us a call on and maybe flesh out in a bit more detail um, but it could also mean that you're not going to be able to get as much severance as, as someone who would if they were let go without cause and didn't have any issue with, say, a disability. Um, I see. It's a, li it's a little complicated um, because, as I say, there's no exact time frame as far as how long someone needs to be off. Um, but there does seem to be a focus on you know, sort of what the prognosis in your case would be. Um, 
But I do think depending on each case, someone could either get at least their bare minimum rights under legislation or potentially more. So I don't want to say to you that you're, you know, you're not going to be able to get more than just those bare minimums. And, and I'd definitely be happy to talk with you. For right. Well, show. nothing has come up yet. I was just kind of curious because we're past the two year mark. And, and uh, again, my, my, my insurance is still dealing with me and right. no rocking the boat so far. I just yeah. wanted to kind of get that. I was, I'm kind of waiting for things to start to happen. You know what I mean? Thanks, Chuck. We appreciate the call, and that is all the time we have for tonight. We're back in here tomorrow at 6.30. Chris Justice, reach him anytime, 1-855-821-5900, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Employment Law Show, back tomorrow at 6.30. Join us again. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.